Greetings, fair ghouls and friendly ghosts. Welcome to Give Me Goosebumps. Hosted by your fellow specters as they rediscover and relive the terrors of childhood. But, listeners beware. Actually, (laughs) you know the drill. Hi, I'm May, and I'm your evil emo babysitter bitch. (laughs) And I'm Nova, the barf and some tinfoil. This week on Give Me Goosebumps, we are reviewing 2006 classic Monster House. On the eve of Halloween in Mayville, young teens DJ, Chowder, and Jenny are pit against a local terror, a real, actual haunted house. DJ's been observing Mr. Nebercracker's home for a while now, noting down every single item that the homeowner has stolen from the children who have trespassed on his property. But when Chowder's basketball falls prey to Nebercracker's lawn, brave DJ goes to retrieve it, and Nebercracker suffers a heart attack. When with the owner away, the house is off its leash, and not a single adult figure is in sight to believe the kids. As a a trend here with children's media, real absent adults. (laughs) I like it too, because this one, I don't even feel like they gave a single explanation to where the parents were going. They were just like, okay, we're going out of town for the weekend. Bye. And I was like, okay, bye, Catherine O'Hara. Bye, Fred Fred Willard. Willard. (laughs) I miss you. And then they really just came back at the very, very end. I mean, they had like, 10 lines total. <laughs> Catch the check. Oh, yeah. So they're the only adults. Nebercracker's gone. The, you know, the babysitter Z and her boyfriend Bones are, you know, obviously shitty older teenagers. They're not quite adults and they don't fucking care about these kids anyway. She's here to cash a $30 check. <laughs> and um, the only other adults in the town are the two piece of shit cops. So these kids really have to do everything themselves. It is a really interesting movie to watch. I think also, you know, the fact that we are uh, almost 20 years from when this came out, which is a horrifying thing to say out loud. Um, But it wasn't just animated. What you just learned and what I learned last time when I was looking it up is that it was motion capture, which I think is truly, truly wild. I feel like I unearthed. Like a behind the scenes thing they used to show on Cartoon Network for it. Or like maybe I saw Napoleon Dynamite with the spots on his face. (laughs) Oh my god, you're right. And as if there weren't like videos floating around of little like Mitchell Musso. Right, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So the kids are voiced by uh, Mitchell Musso, which, you know, we all know him from Hannah Montana. Uh, Chowder is voiced by Sam Lerner, which is very funny because my sister and I keep finding Sam Lerner and stuff. And we're always like, he existed as an actor before and after the Goldbergs. This isn't just who he is. Right. And it's very funny because like, I just, I've never noticed him in anything before. And now he's in everything. Um, and then uh, Jenny is voiced by... Um, Spencer Locke, I believe, which I feel like I recognize her face more than I actually recognized any of the like stuff she'd been in. Uh, she was in Cougar Town, but I didn't watch that one. 
Um, yeah, and John Heater, aka Napoleon Dynamite, does pop in here. It's got truly like a very interesting smorgasbord of a cast. Earl from My Name is Earl. Dave from Alvin and the Chipmunks. He's there. How do we not immediately talk about uh, Steve Buscemi as oh. Mr. Nevercracker icon? I kind of wish, uh, I know that there's not a lot for Constance, which if you, I mean, you know, if you haven't seen Monster House at this point, I, I'm not going to, you know, spoil everything because I hadn't seen it until the other day, which is insane for reasons I will explain later pertaining to my home. <laughs> 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 but I haven't seen it until recently. But um, I, I wish that uh, uh, Kathleen Turner. Yeah, I oh, yeah. wish Kathleen that Turner serial. I mom. wish. Yeah, I wish that Constance had gotten more lines instead of just like kind of like grunting. Yeah, I did. I did appreciate um, the the story behind the house and the relationship that uh, Mister Nevercracker had and. I thought it was very darling and very sweet. Oh, yeah. Um, um, especially for 2006. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, they could have been They could have been way worse with uh, the source. Like, they have the tools to be awful and offensive. Yeah, especially with, you know, one of the leads being Chowder, who is, you know, a hyperactive fat kid. Uh, but they never, like... I mean, I don't know. They made fun of him sometimes, but overall, not as much as you would expect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, no, they never really, like, they, they teased him more for being, like, a doofus. Yeah, I mean, he does wear a little cape. And it's not even a full cape. It's a halfback. Sorry, I don't know kid, what you- he was thinking. No drip. <laughs> Sorry, kid, <laughs> you can't wear a cape and not get a little dunked on. <laughs> but I thought Chowder was the funniest one. He had the best lines. I wrote down some of them because he just like he was cracking me up the whole movie. My favorite part is when he he gets off the phone with his dad and then he notices that DJ and Jenny are coming into the room. And so he pulls the phone back <laughs> up to his head and he does a fake phone call and he does a kiss my hairy butt, dad. Oh, hello there. I'm Chowder. Charles to the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those two boys really are like, ah, simp time. This movie is actually just a lesson in simp simping, if you think about it. Oh, it's all about loving loving the, the strong and powerful and cool women in your life. Loving them and learning to let go. Mm-hmm. And ACAB. Yeah. God, let's can we talk about the cops for just a moment and how much I hate them and how useless they are? Oh, please. Both of them. Awful. So uh, head cop is Kevin James, and it's his first voice role. And of course, he's a cop because he will always be a goofy and bad cop. That's just <laughs> who he is now. Um, and his character is exactly, I, I mean, he's just like a, a guy. He's just a, a shitty cop. Like, that's it. Um, what's more interesting is I don't know what his partner's deal is. What the fuck was Nick Cannon doing? Uh, his character's all over the place. All uh, over the place. Almost, like, happily 
ready to shoot a kid. Oh yeah, he literally tells the kids to their face like, I will shoot you. And I was like, whoa, 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 okay. He calls his partner Porky. He was like so excited to be arresting those kids too. It was, uh, the cops all around, um, like I understand why they were lurking and they they came back, but also like, mind your fucking business, come on. I mean, they do get eaten by the house, more on that later, but they do get eaten by the house. So thank God for that. And then, you know, the kids have to do everything themselves, as per usual. I, they already, they were already taking care of it themselves, though. They tried to go through mm-hmm. legal, you know, proper legal channels, and they were dunked on by the cops. So they had to go seek out a pinball wizard. No, he wasn't even playing pinball, was he? he? Wasn't. That was a joke when I said pinball wizard earlier. He was playing. He was just playing like an arcade game. Yeah, like he was playing some zombie game. Some, some shit, yeah. This arcade. This arcade sage, if you will. Voiced by uh, John Heater. And then, uh, I mean, it's insinuated that, I guess, that he used to be friends with Bones because uh, Z is wearing a shirt that says, like, a band shirt that says Skull and Bones. So I guess it's insinuated that they were friends, but there's no, like, interaction or anything because at this point, Bones also been eaten by the house. (laughs) Good. Good. Bones is on some, like, freak behavior shit at one point he just randomly gets all up in dj's face and just like takes his little bunny and starts ripping ripping his head off and stuff like this what the fuck <laughs> who comes into some child's house like that i know i was just like oh so you want to traumatize kids what the fuck is wrong with you man Uh, I thought the attention to detail was really great in this movie for, like, the characters and also especially, like, uh, the house movements. But I did write two notes about the fact that they did specific kinds of shoes for characters, which I thought was really cute. (laughs) Like, Bones Bones was wearing, like, Doc Martens, like, with the yellow stitching and everything. (laughs) And then, uh, especially with the attention to detail, I specifically wrote, there was one part where... Uh, I think it was when the house was falling asleep and it did this like it was showing all of the different parts of the house sort of like shutting down and going back to normal. And I really liked that. Like seeing like, you know, the 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 shutters all lined into place and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it's always fun when they can make an inanimate object like expressive and the house is just so expressive i love her very much she just is angry and for you know for reasons that make sense even though they're not good reasons it's just emotional response like that's it you know when you say like the id the ego and the super ego or whatever it's like pure id like she's just pissed she had a she had a very rough life living in you know a freak show yeah um i also i like that at the end uh they give Nebercracker becomes like you know the good guy he gets to you know say goodbye to his house his his wife um and he gives the toys back even though they're all busted and broken and like the fucking house blew up (laughs) and then uh chowder gets his basketball back and the second he tries to throw it it gets stuck against the hoop i was just like that's that's comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like 
I like the ending with that too because uh, he's literally, you know, letting go. And in process of doing that, he's actually giving back things that were taken from the kids. And I just think that that's such, um, it was, it's something that, you know, just really stuck with me. What, this is 2006, I was like 11 or something. Mm I was just like, wow, that's a good, that's good filmmaking right there. He's literally letting go. Yeah. I wish that. Instead of the credit scene that they had, I could have seen like a a little post credit or during credit scene of like Never Cracker getting his new place and having a happy retirement. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of the, first of all, they, okay, so sorry for spoiler alert. Um, I don't think this was the intentional ending. I think that what happened was Columbia Pictures was like, this is a kid's movie. You have to tell kids that the people didn't die. <laughs> you can't just like let them think that people died. You have to specifically tell them nobody died. So they bring back Bones. He crawls out of the pit. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I don't like this, but fine. Whatever. Um, so you see him come out of the pit. That just insinuates that no one died, right? And then Columbia Pictures took it a step further and they said, you're (laughs) going to show the cops. You're going to show both of the cops climbing out and being alive and just going back to being shitty. And I was like, I hate this movie now, actually, for doing that to me. So if you stop watching the movie right after, (laughs) just stop the credits after you see Bones crawl out. Just be like, I'm done now. (laughs) I saw the film. Um, it's funny to me that they, they go out of their way to make sure that we know the cops are okay, but nobody was like, hey, I don't think I want you to show a cop chugging a NyQuil bottle. Uh (laughs) Like, that's funny to me that that, like, made it through, which I guess that's 2006 for you, but could you imagine, like, you get drunk off those. (laughs) That was the closest thing they could do to showing a real alcoholic drink. Yeah, Dan Harmon probably had a uh, draft where <laughs> they tried to get the whole house uh, hotboxed. For some reason, I always forget and then remember and then forget and then remember that Dan Harmon was a prime writer for this. I mean, he's one of three for this yeah. film. But like, I always forget that he did things that were not community. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, you you can say Rick and Morty. Well, no, I I know that happened, and I'm pretending it didn't happen. (laughs) I just didn't know that he did anything outside of Community. It's just Community. That's it. That's his whole filmography to me, because I've never looked it up. You found out that he was not a a good person to his crew, and then you went, I don't want to see any of his work now. Yep. Um, Do you want to hear some trivia? Oh, please. That's that's why we come here. All right, we got lots of trivia for this one. So, uh, first off, uh, Monster House takes place in 1983. Uh, that's less trivia and, I guess, more information you could figure out from watching the clues of the movie, but I think it's fun to say it out loud. I wouldn't have, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have picked that up immediately. I love that. <laughs> Not a cell phone in sight, just living in the moment. I guess when I was 11, I just assumed they were also 11 and they weren't allowed to have phones yet. So true. 
Uh, this is the first animated film to be made using Sony's animation rendering software, which is cool. It's also motion capture, which we said earlier. Chowder's line, DJ, you piss in bottles, had to be redubbed to you pee in bottles to help maintain that PG rating. But you can still see Chowder's lips say piss, apparently. <laughs> John Heater, who played Skull, tripped over some wiring and broke his ankle on set. <laughs> yep. Also, um, so Napoleon Dynamite uh, came out in 2004, and this came out, you know, in 2006, but it was made probably 2004, 2005, because how long animation probably took to do all the mocap and the animating and the VA. And, you know, this was earlier technology. Um, anyway, Mitchell Musso and Sam Lerner had apparently gone to see Napoleon Dynamite right before shooting. And so when they found out that John Heater was on set, they, they lost their minds. I would have too. <laughs> apparently there were supposed to be more bullies in the movie and they thought that that was too mean. So the company took them out. There was a, the house was a bully. They didn't need any more. Exactly. They already had like the the babysitter and her shitty boyfriend and Mr. Nevercracker and the house. And they wanted two more bullies anyway. <laughs> uh, lots of homages to uh, Stephen King. The house that comes alive is something in the Dark Tower series and the Wastelands, I guess. Uh, mechanical monkey um the beginning they have the tricycle on the lawn which i guess is for the shining one of the three screenwriters so we have dan Harmon, rob schrab and uh pamela petler i think was her last name petler mm-hmm. yes uh rob schrab's hometown is mayville wisconsin this was robert zemeckis and steven spielberg's first production together in 16 years since back to the future part three but really, uh, you slap those names on it, but it was it's not like they were, I don't, like, how personally were they working on this film? <laughs> <laughs> no, they probably had two companies just putting money into this. Um, I guess there is a kid who goes to a Halloween party uh, in the same mask and Letterman jacket as in Donnie Darkus. <laughs> that's, that's a little cameo, which I think is very funny. <laughs> they pulled from a few, like, spookier things. Added some texture. Mm-hmm. So really, the the last important piece of trivia uh, is that it was nominated for an Oscar, but it lost to Happy Feet, which I've never seen either. So good, bad, who knows? George Miller worked on it. <laughs> he certainly didn't want to make any more. He made one and two, and they said, you want to make Happy Feet three? And he said, I'll kill myself. So they didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> he said i'm done um so i guess he liked making the first one enough to make two and hated two enough to never make three. Oh god here i got a bit of trivia apparently oh yes according go. to the wikipedia that years after the movie came out Harmon received a letter from an upset seven-year-old who was displeased with the film oh Harmon wrote back that he did not finish the script when the studio took it and hired other writers to change it. He further denounced it by stating that Keenan was a hack and called Spielberg a moron. (laughs) Oh my god, that makes so much sense for everything about Dan Harmon. The fact that he got a letter from a seven-year-old and he responded just to companies you think this seven-year-old gives a single fuck what you think dude i think i think 
think uh, shout out to that kid for sending him a letter in the first place to be like, I don't like your movie. But the fact that he answered a child. <laughs> that's psychotic. <laughs> Dear Mr. Harmon, I don't like your movie. Bouncing off the fact that he blamed the director. <laughs> the director, Gil Keenan, has... Uh, according to his IMDb, I don't know what he does outside of being a, a writer-director, but he, he doesn't seem to write-or-direct much. Um, even now, he's like back into the swing of things a little bit with two things this year, but he only has five things, six things on his IMDb, starting with Monster House as a director, which, you know, great movie, we love. Uh City of Ember, which was, as Nova said, a flop. I recall the name, but I never saw that. I think they were underground. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) That that sure is the picture that I see. (laughs) He did the 2015 reboot of Poltergeist, which did anyone care about that movie? I heard nothing about it. I basically didn't know it existed until I was like, oh, they remade Poltergeist, huh? I watched it to be like, ugh, this sucks. And honestly, it was so boring. I just feel like, I don't know, with all the sadness around the Poltergeist series, like I, like the haunted rumors aside, it was just a very sad situation with like all, like a bunch of people in the cast and crew dying. It was just very depressing. So the fact that they even brought it back, I, I, I know it's like, a name in horror that we know. Oh, there was no reason, man. But there's no reason to bring it back. <laughs> um, so anyway, he did Poltergeist. He did, uh, he directed one episode of the Scream TV series in 2016. And then 2021, last year, he wrote Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I have heard nary a single good thing about. Um, even to say that Paul Rudd made it tolerable. That's just Paul Rudd. I mean, I don't think that you can, you can probably say that about almost anything Paul Rudd's ever been in. I mean, no, I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't even heard that Paul Rudd made it tolerable. I don't, I haven't heard anyone like in this movie, but I also feel like the only people who liked it were the ones who hated the female reboot. And so they liked it in spite yeah, I'm not. They CGI'd Harold Ramis in, so that's fucked up. Yeah, no, uh, I don't like reanimating corpses. No, thank you. Uh, to kind of circle back, um, so there were three writers on this, Dan Harmon being one, and then his partner he writes everything with is the other one. So the person imp- that he imp- threw under the bus would be Pamela, and her other... Her other credits include Corpse Bride and Nine, so... Well, I mean, I don't remember Nine being, like, a memorable movie, except for, like, I wish it had been. Um, but Corpse Bride, we all know and love and respect Corpse Bride. I was going to say Corpse Bride, iconic. We love it. Iconic. And Nine, uh, Nine is okay. I haven't watched it recently. I wish it got bigger than it did, but, like, the world building with it and like the animation itself was very cool yeah i feel like the designs and the world building were very cool but the plot wasn't 
it was run of the mill into the into the world you know and elijah wood was the guy he was nine right yeah yeah that's all i remember (laughs) i mean he was the guy i certainly watched it because you know in high school i was an emo and i was like i love tim burton (laughs) so i did watch it it's just been a while (laughs) i thought you were gonna say something different and you were gonna be like yeah and i so i was like i love elijah wood and i was gonna be like you're so sapphic I mean, do I now? Yeah, that he's doing his little freak shit. I mean, I never, <laughs> I never really. I mean, this isn't like, like it's a no offense to Lord of the Rings. I just like I never got into medieval fantasy except yeah, for when I would, you know, run around in video games. But like as a as a view, like it just wasn't my genre. So like that series was a snooze fest for me. Anyway, more thoughts on Monster House? <laughs> Any thoughts on Monster House? Um, my brain is a, deca- a decrepit house. Mm-hmm. That's uh, got a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman just mm-hmm. buried and submit there by the front uh, cortex, for sure. Yeah. Head empty, only house. Head empty, only house. Oh, so it's a girl house. <laughs> Do you think he meant vulva? Probably. Oh, Dan Harmon. Anyway, Monster House, great film. Oh, the important part, the reason why it's funny that I haven't seen it. This is very important, I have to say it. Um, many years ago, uh, my friend Remy and I would uh, go to Goodwill together once a week whenever we had a, or maybe not once a week exactly, but whenever we both had a day off from working our respective retail jobs. And one day we went to Goodwill and we found an extremely ornate snow globe of Monster House. (laughs) And we saw it and we went, we can't buy this, right? It's just like, if we bring home more junk to our parents' houses, they will kill us. And then we went next door, we went to Coffee Bean, we both ordered, we sat down in silence, and then we went, are you thinking about the Monster House snow globe? Yeah, I'm thinking about the Monster House snow globe. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I had like one or two dollars in my purse, and Remy had four or five, and whatever. Between the two of us, we bought the Monster House snow globe. And now Columbia Pictures Monster House Snow Globe lives in my home, and it is a shrine. Wasn't it a wrap gift? Um, yeah, to be more specific, um, it has like a, a really big base, and the base is like, uh, it's white, and it looks like, it has like the Columbia logo stuff on it. It's it's very obviously like like I googled it and apparently Columbia used to do it a lot. I don't know if they still make snow globes for all of their parting like as parting gifts, but apparently they would do this. And it's only it's worth like $40. It's not worth like a lot or anything, but it's still worth something. And it is you know, limited edition. I don't know who on the crew didn't want it anymore, but I love it. <laughs> Somebody died. No! <laughs> Oh, that's depressing. Anyway, I'm so let's sorry. My, what if my monster house is haunted? <laughs> this is just like Amityville dollhouse. <laughs> you got any final thoughts? Wait, I already asked that. Let's plug. 
Uh, well, I was you- going to say, I did just, my, my eyes did just grace a review that was like, this is a shameless Harry Potter liftoff because there's three people and one of them small too. I'm just like, ugh, get over yourself, man. That's just how these things shake up. It's it's like a classic trio. There's the normal main character boy who doesn't really have a discernible personality except for he's the lead boy. There's the stupid friend who's a boy and then there's the smart friend who's a girl. Yeah. The second boy is dumb and the only girl is smart. That's how every single trio in all of media has ever happened. Think of any. What we do in the shadows right now. Nandor <laughs> is the main main guy. Less discernible personality. Laszlo's stupid as all hell and Nasha's the only smart person. There you go. That's your trio. They all do it. <laughs> Guillermo stands off to the back just looking so sad. But yeah, okay, give J.K. Rowling <laughs> credit for the trope. <laughs> like, she needs any more accolades for doing nothing. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at GMGB Podcast on Twitter. You can email us at gmgbpodcast at gmail.com if you have uh, thoughts, uh, recommendations. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, hell. If you want to send a little email to Franz, please come talk to us. <laughs> it's times like these we miss the campfire chat, I guess. Yeah. Um, I wish that, uh, like, I, I bought the scary stories and all those, but the the stories are just too long. I know. They take up a full five to seven minutes at the end of every podcast. And I mean, if there's anyone out there who's interested in that, I can return to doing it or even do separate recordings and we can do it as like a bonus thing. Uh, reach out to us at gmail.com, at gmail.com I guess, and let us know. <laughs> um, Till next time, uh, stay strange. And we'll see you on the other side. 